Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Hello and welcome to the 74th episode of the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens, and with me, as always, the broken shell of Colin Smith. <laughs> Or the the breaking show. Colin just found out that he has to lead the episode next week, which is our review of Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Which somehow it's like one of those things where it's not real to me until I see it. You know, that's kind of how it was in my head. So, <laughs> it's not uh, happening. Uh, you might you might need uh, a therapy session afterwards. I mean, I'll probably just be really angry and not very coherent, you know. Yeah, maybe we should bring in a, a fifth of whiskey into the. the I don't. That would make it. <laughs> I, that would make it worse. Uh, okay, uh, uh, a huge, a huge uh, bong. How about that? That I mean, also would. Mitch. I don't think it would help. I'd probably have a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> What are they doing? Why is this happening? Don't understand. Well, that's next week, Colin. This yeah. this week we have an excellent show for the Midnighters. We are going to talk a little bit about the new Venom movie. That a bunch of information came out today, um, but all that excludes a director and writers. I'm guessing. What? Someone talk about it. Uh, then we're going to talk about this. Who announced this? I'm sorry. I should have... I tried to glance over it. Well, so it's... Variety reported on it. It's actually a, a startup with uh, uh, Sean... What's his name? Parker. Sean Parker from Net uh, Napster. Is that right? Yeah. This this doesn't really talk about it, but the Warner Brothers CEO um, had kicked off negotiations with, with him. Um, so they're talking about bringing... Uh, newly released movies into your home uh, and how much would you be willing to pay for that so we're going to talk about that in in open discussion have a email to read a very entertaining email we're going to have some fun with that one we both have media hot takes this week Colin is back yeah I accidentally actually I've seen a I've seen a bunch of stuff I've watched a bunch of uh, Netflix I've watched some stand up uh I finally got around to watching Tickled and The Tickle King. Oh, nice. um, but I also have a different media hot take. So we have. Uh, so that means. So basically, what you're saying is you have media hot takes for the next few weeks. Uh, no, I'm not saying that at all. Oh. In fact, I'll probably just never, never tell anybody about any of the things I've seen. Well, I'm a, I'm very mysterious. You are. Uh huh. I've never even seen your real face. <laughs> <laughs> we have a. <laughs> we're ending with a review of Saban's Power Rangers because our our Twitter poll took off like none other. We had a bunch of votes, but it demolished Chips, and for good reason, because Chips didn't... No one wanted to see it, and no one saw it, so we're reviewing Power Rangers. Yeah. Yeah, so there it is. All right, so let's hop on the good foot and do the bad thing, Colin. Let's. Let's talk a little bit about Venom. So uh, you sent me this article from Screen Rant, but uh, it had been widely announced this was kind of big breaking news that Sony is set to shoot this fall for a October 4th release date of Venom, which they producers say is going to be 
a rated R horror sci-fi movie. <laughs> yeah, a, a horror, a horror sci-fi. Um, <laughs> action, action horror sci-fi, according to uh, the production listed production listing that they posted. So, this should be really troubling for a lot of reasons. Um, I mean, do you want to... So, I think the first reason is that this is Sony. <laughs> that you should be worried. Red flag number yeah, one. red flag yes. number one. Red flag number two, we have producers attached. And IMDb actually has some screenwriters attached, too. Uh, but I haven't seen reporting on any of that. It has Scott Rosenberg and Jeff Pinkner, um, both who have written for Spider-Man films before. Uh, but basically, in, in in neither of the articles or the production listings I've seen have there been any mentions of a writing staff or a script. Yeah. Uh, or a director. So what we have, we have red flag number two, we have producers and no creative talent attached to the film. Uh, red flag number three, we have a release date for this film with no script and no director. <laughs> Sounds familiar? Uh, <laughs> this is, I feel like this has happened before. Yeah, uh, it's like deja vu all over again. But don't worry, it might be R-rated. So there's that. Um, Famous last words. Yeah, I would say I would say I kind of brought this to your attention earlier, but I think that we could say that uh, red flag number four is that what we're on? Yeah, four is that one of the producers is uh, Avi Arad, uh, if I'm saying his name correctly. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, um, he was notoriously the one who undercut Sam Raimi's Spider-Man three film. So if you just look up Avi Arad and Sam Raimi, and there are like just Sam Raimi just destroys this man um, and claims that he had totally undercut anything positive. I mean, it's easy to point fingers when a film fails rather than it succeeds because he was also a part of the first two Spider Man movies. Yeah. But at the same time, this guy loves Venom. He's the reason that Venom was in Spider Man 3, um, a villain that Sam Raimi was completely. Uh, didn't didn't want in the film. You say you say that he loves Venom, but anybody who loves Venom and works on a film that allows Topher Grace to be cast <laughs> as Eddie Brock, there you go. Uh, you better have a damn good script, or you are in, an asshole. Yeah. And uh, it was the second one because the script was not good. Right. Um, right. So this, I mean, the obvious the obvious assumption here is that we have producers pitching. Uh, in order to capitalize on IP related to Spider-Man, yeah, which I I don't I don't I don't really have anything to refute that. I mean, it seems like a pretty clear-cut case of you know trying to trying to capitalize on uh, on Marvel's hard work, and this is really I'm that I guess there were plans to spin off. Venom and give him his own film treatment after Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the film was so miserably received that they kind of, I guess they destroyed any goodwill and chance of that happening. Yeah. So, But this is a, a beloved character among nerds and 
And it, so it is designed by uh, by Seth MacFarlane, like a, a visually distinctive, yeah. and creepy, and uh, the idea of Venom being a symbiote is uh, a lot of very interesting things that are kind of exist outside of the realm of standard comic book tropes in, in a lot of ways. So is is a character with a lot of interesting potential and I'm honestly surprised we haven't seen uh, Sony rape and discard discard <laughs> this character yet. But yeah, don't yeah. worry, it's coming. You know, I so I did a lot of research. I found out a lot of crazy things about this this project. So according to the rights that were handed over for Spider-Man, they can technically use... Sony can technically use Spider-Man in this film. They cannot use Peter Parker or Tom Holland. So what... I don't know what that means for this character because, um, I mean, Venom... Part of... so. Everybody thinks of Venom as this, like, enhanced super evil Spider-Man, but he needs to attach himself to Spider-Man to get those powers. And maybe this means that we're going to see Miles Morales as a Spider-Man character. I I just, I don't know how they do this. I don't know how this is going to be written. I'm I'm correct, right, in that? No, the, the, the symbiote has its own power. Um, it doesn't it doesn't require somebody with so the I just meant like the form that we see him in the comics right the the, the black spider outfit no no that's I mean okay I I'm I not Ed, Eddie Brock as Venom looks the it, that's the distinctive look um, okay I think you're thinking of all right uh, yeah. So so why does he develop the powers that he why does he use like what 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 enlighten us novices so the <laughs> the the powers that venom that the symbiote has are not they they end up being similar in in the way that the characters use them but really it's so spider-man makes webs and Ven- if Venom made a web, it would be made out of part of Venom. Right. I guess. Okay. Um, does he... Now, does... In the origin of Venom, doesn't he first attach himself to Spider-Man, though, before Eddie Brock? Uh, I... I I don't remember the order, necessarily. Okay. I, I mean, I don't... I don't know at all. I'm just asking. I... I I put a lot of information in my brain today about this. Not yeah. all of it was... I didn't retain all of it, so... I, I think so. I think... I think Peter Parker, you know, is seduced and then rejects the the symbiote before Eddie Brock becomes Venom, but I could be wrong. And there have also been... It's one of those things where there have been a bunch of iterations of right. the, uh, yeah, the that's character. The um, so I don't... Like, I read about one where it it's used as a... Um, um, a weapon by the government where they would attach to soldiers um, like in the in the uh, Venom comic its own offshoot comic which there was like quite a few different offshoots of Venom which I didn't realize and to be honest I just this is a weird character this is a very weird character character to have its own film uh, I mean because 
this isn't like I don't know. This is there's a lot of I guess you could you can make a body horror movie out of this. Yeah. Um, well, the the other thing they talk about Venom as a an antihero, but at least the the run I remember with Venom in the Spider-Man comics that I read, he was he was really a villain. So yeah, right. Uh, maybe that was something that happened later. Um, so the Screen Rant article, I just went back to it to refresh my memory. There are fifteen different versions of Venom. Yeah. Fifteen different versions. Um, that. The, uh, that's insane. Like, this character hasn't even been around that long, right? It was introduced late late 80s? I mean, Seth MacFarlane, so yeah. Uh, or Todd MacFarlane. Uh, yeah, M- mid-80s. Mid-80s? Yeah. So, in... I mean, you have 15 different... Whoa, there's a T-Rex Venom? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Agent Venom was the other one I was looking at. Deadpool Venom? Uh... That's interesting. So I, I guess, I guess because the the symbiote was came in contact with Spider-Man first. Yeah, he retained some of Spider-Man's powers. He learned Spider-Man's. Okay, so that's what powers. Happens. Yeah, which is why I guess he looks the way he does uh, and behaves some of the way he did. Ways okay, he does. before he moved on to. Um, Eddie Brock, but I guess there have also been a, a whole bunch of other hosts. Yeah, um, obviously. And I don't know really anything about them. So, on a scale of one to ten, Colin, how good do you think this film is going to be? <laughs> God. Uh, well, let's see. I mean, what? Where have we been with? Because this is this is closer to the part of the MCU that Marvel has been working with than the X-Men mm-hmm. franchise is. Right. And, I, I mean, I don't know. They, I guess I guess the last... So I never bothered seeing the Amazing Spider-Man films, and I guess they were... Got a, a lukewarm critical reception. The first one got a decent, uh, a I, decent I reception. I really liked the first one. The, the, my biggest problem with the first one was that we had to go through the whole or, story origin again. again. Andrew Garfield was awesome. Uh, I, the second one, again, Emma Stone, Andrew Garfield, obviously they love each other and they're in relationships. So their chemistry was off the charts in that movie. But the villains were awful. Jamie Foxx is Electra. What Electra was that his name? Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, wasted, completely wasted. So I don't know. My thing, Sony is the biggest red flag here because yeah. when's the last time Sony made a good movie? That is the thing I keep asking myself, and I don't have an answer. And all those other red flags, I don't give this. I, I just don't honestly give it much chance of being successful. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I. Uh... I, I'm I'm not going to be holding my breath. Let's put it like that. So. Well, you know, maybe if this movie is good, we can watch it at home. It's a good transition, right? Good maybe segue. maybe we could. Yeah, <coughs> nice, hey, smooth, smooth move. Sliding in the DMs. Uh, so this can you? I'm having trouble right now. Yeah, you're dying. So uh, <coughs> I guess what, were there was there an industry trade show? Um, so, 
basically a startup, and I don't. It's called the Screening Room, um, and it's it's being backed by Sean Parker of Facebook and Napster, and I guess there's another other celebrity investor spokesperson. They are going around to the big studios, pitching a set top box that would offer you the ability to rent in theater releases at home on day one uh, <laughs> they're they're saying the box the physical box is about 150 bucks and you pay fifty dollars to screen the film and you have a 48 hour window to watch it once and there are a whole bunch of other gimmicks to get <laughs> um, people on board. Be, so this is, it's not really the, the I, I think the studios you have to convince as much as it is the, the distributors, the, the other, the, the theater companies. Theaters will revolt, that is for sure. Yeah, because... That, they're getting cut out. Yeah, you're just you're literally cutting them out of the market. So one of the things they've said is they're thinking about incentivizing by offering free tickets to see the film at a, a theater of their choice uh, with every purchase. Um, and they're trying to get the production companies in and the the cinemas in by it says. Basically, to get exhibitors on board, the company wants to cut them in on uh, like forty percent of the revenue. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, what? So unless Cinemark and AMC get in the the home distributing industry, that seems very unlikely. Mm-hmm. They're not just gonna uh, these uh, so theaters uh, theaters aren't uh, don't have the lobbying power to convince studios to not cut them out. It just they, they don't have it. So Fox and Universal felt, said that they felt the fifty dollars was too steep a price to ask customers to pay. So they said, for instance, they are considering making films available thirty to forty five days after opening. But a thirty dollar rental price. Now, that seems more reasonable. It seems like it it might be for a movie like, let's just say, Beauty and the Beast, because it made so much money opening weekend. I don't think people are going to say, "Listen, little Tommy or l- l- little Jill, we're going to wait an extra thirty to forty days, and we're going to watch this movie at home." What's going to happen is they would probably go see that movie opening night, and then in 30 to 40 days, they'd probably rent it again for their kid. Yeah, so what basically what the studios said is they said, wait, 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 wait. What if we, what if we came up with a uh, third market here? Yeah, yeah exactly. This little gray market that exists between the theatrical release and between pay-per-view and rental options. Um, that you're exactly right. Which... Uh, so, so the first thing I think is just astonishingly naive, um, and Variety reports on this is the they said the company's anti tech anti piracy technology could be appealing to studios who struggle with global content theft. So, 
the idea that you're going to allow <laughs> allow people access to theatrical films, I'm assuming in you know whatever sourced definition they want. So yeah, you know, a, exactly. obviously it's not it's not going to be a full native Blu-ray, four K, you know, twenty gig raw file, but it's going to. It's going to be a, a a high. You're going to be a high quality version of this film, streamed to somebody's house, and you're selling the technology on the promise of <laughs> your anti-piracy capabilities. I just. It, it's so absurd. It's almost like they're leading with a ridiculous bluff. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. And, but but then again, they're pitching I, the people they're pitching to. I feel like the the people who run movie studios are just they probably don't know how to wipe their own asses. That's a fair. Like the deci- the decisions they make are just astoundingly baffling. Um, yeah, <laughs> constantly we're we see projects that have seen millions of dollars in investment with. Fundamental flaws, glaring flaws that people have been talking about since day one, uh, and then these companies are confused when uh, when they don't see a return in their investment. But just it, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what. First of all, no amount of software technology is going to prevent piracy. Right. This is just an easy <laughs> easy hardware video capture piracy scenario. And <laughs> exactly. Like so and even even if you figure out some way to build that into this device which okay, there are so there are HDMI outputs with the ability to protect data or you know something to that extension it's there's no way no way you're going to be able to prevent this from becoming a piracy tool they're going to circumvent your protection at some level and if it's not on your device it's somewhere else on the chain. Um, yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't matter doesn't matter where you put your protections in. It's going to be defeated. And I will continue to to stand on my soapbox and scream. Piracy isn't why people aren't going to the movies. People aren't going to the movies because the product that you put out isn't good. I mean, Disney made. Buttloads, truckloads, more money than anybody has ever made in the history of film last year. Because they made good to great films. If you're Paramount and you're Fox and you're Sony and you're making crap, people aren't going to come see it. So that's the bottom line. You don't think Disney deals with piracy? It's not affecting them nearly at the level that these other studios claim that it affects them. And here's my other thing. With, with this and it, it just like it just pisses me off like so 
your 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 studio, and you're really there's so there's what seven they mentioned seven so seven main studios. There's not a lot of studios out there. There's not a lot of, of studios that are able to foot the bill for anything over, you know, a fifty million dollar budget. That's a lot of money to sink into any kind of project. There, I, I get this. The, a film is a high risk, low reward investment because you're looking for one film, probably out of ten, to land to land big and make lots of money. There's no other business that has as high risk with as little reward, you know. But at the same time, you're out there, you're spending $200 million on a Pirates of the Caribbean 6. You're out there spending probably $120 million on a Venom movie. You are completely out of touch with your audience. You're completely out of touch with moviegoers. Like, I just, this is the kind of thing that just, it, just destroys me inside because there are so many great filmmakers out there. There are so many great scripts. There's so so much potential out there, and Hollywood keeps looking past it and saying, "Why did we spend five hundred million dollars on John Carter and it flopped?" Like that's the kind of stuff that I don't understand. Sorry, I'll step down from my soapbox, but it just infuriates me. Well, I mean, here here's the thing. So, Pirates is owned by Disney, Disney. and so is John Carter. I just mentioned, and they, I mean. These the films, the films have been garbage since the first one, which was fun and interesting and a little whimsical. Yeah. Um, but they make money, you know. Uh, with bad example, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. So, although, do you know what the budget on this film is? I, I can only imagine. I just. This is astounding. Okay. You just take a guess. Well, you're seeing uh, 180 million more. Two hundred million more. Two hundred twenty million more. Two hundred fifty million more. Two hundred eighty million more. Three hundred million more. Three hundred fifty million. Three hundred and twenty million dollars. Oh my <laughs> God! Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales has a three hundred and twenty million dollar budget. That is insane. Like is, that has to be the, the most the biggest budget of all time. I mean, it has to be. I mean, if if it's not, I have no idea what is. I mean, unless you consider the billion dollars that for three Avatar movies. I I mean, but that's we'll see if those even get made. That three hundred and twenty million dollars. That is insane. Uh. Wow. Okay. Well. So. (laughs) You want to know what's worse? On Stranger Tides? So that was the last one, right? No, it was the the third one, I guess. Oh, no, it was the fourth one. Jeez, oh, whatever. They all run together. Okay. Uh, $378 million. $378.5 million that, budget. That, how much, do we know how much that made? Uh, I mean, to make its budget back, it, I mean, that is an ins... It, it so it grossed it, the box office it did over a billion yeah so they made their money back but that is an insane amount I mean when you look at these other movies I mean there's no other 
We're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. We're movies. talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. And they're like, oh yeah, three. Uh, okay, so three hundred and twenty million. You said let's just write that check. And it's, I mean, I guess it's apparently it's a cash cow. But anyways, I I think this is a. <laughs> Interesting idea, but it's completely flawed in execution, and I don't see how this, you know, studios just need to make good movies. If you make good movies, we will watch them. Well, I just, you know, I feel like that if there is a market here, this is not going to be the, the, the... Project that breaks it open. It's yeah. The there are going to be there are just too many problems for companies in different markets in related markets and yeah, that's a good point. I, I just and not to mention you have to pay one hundred fifty dollars for something that you have to pay to use. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you so if you bring. You you pay that investment and then you bring your friends over and everybody chips in money. But then how's that really? I guess you can get really drunk or you know smoke a joint in the in I the guess. in your living room yeah. while you're watching Pirates of the Caribbean eight. <laughs> I mean, this seems like it, it. It seems like if you are extremely rich, you might. Be well, there's already there's already technology. There's already a service available that basically allows you to do that if you're really rich but it costs you know like forty thousand dollars or something like that okay so yeah. really rich really rich people can make it happen <laughs> this is for the regular schlubs like us uh i just you know is it is it would it really be worth paying that much money to see something in the comfort of my own home and there's no way i i just i don't know who this product is marketed for but feel free to make it and i will gladly Profit in in the form of zero day pirated yeah. films <laughs> <laughs> that are not worth spending money on because you can't make good movies, Hollywood. Yeah. God damn it! But at the end, and we've talked about this a million times. End of the day, if I'm excited about something, I'm going to spend money on it. Doesn't matter if we're talking about software or films. If it's a creative product and I'm interested, or even if I, I sort of don't pay for something immediately and I like it, I will go out and buy it. Yeah, so. same. Uh, I will always... I love the theater experience. That's just me. I love... Especially um, in, in a movie... Especially in a comedy or uh, a big a movie event, it's fun to be a part of, of the culture and experience that with other people. With friends, family, so I'll always go to the movie theater. But and this is coming from the person with the worst luck in, yeah. in movie audiences that I know. I'm a glutton for punishment. You Tom. are. Uh, let's uh, let's read some emails. So we we love getting emails. We absolutely adore when you write us in at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. We will read them no matter what they are. We've proven it time and again. Um, and this is probably going to be another one of those cases, but I actually like this email a lot. We got from a longtime listener and writer, Rob Bob. You want to want to read it? Sure. Brian's and Colin. There are so many remakes. What could be worse? Answer: Remake mashups when a studio combines two movies being remade. Uh, examples: Enter the Karate Kid, 
Will Smith's son infiltrates Cobra Kai Island to defeat a notorious crime boss whose one hand can only wax on. <laughs> Godfather of the Bride. Steve Martin plays a jerk who's also a crime boss. Marry his daughter, or else hilarity ensues. That's my favorite. MASH, which stands for Mobile Army Silent Hill, about an army tent during the Korean War that is haunted by wisecracking ghosts who drink too much. <laughs> you guys can come up with better ones. Your podcast is the best. Send from my iPhone that I phone from. Uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I'm just not good at this. I, that's when I found out I'm not good at this. I wanted to mash up Schindler's List and Back to the Future... And I just couldn't come up with a clever title. <laughs> what What are you laughing about? Um, <laughs> just that's that's an that's an interesting, interesting choice. No, the premise. So the premise would be yes that uh, Doc Brown takes a young Jewish kid back to the future to meet his grandfather, who is in, who is on Schindler's list. But he survives, and he has. I I, I don't know. I that would be a horrible remake. That would be make matchup. That's, that's true. That would be a, that would be an awful remake. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, Terminator Eight Apocalypse Now, where <laughs> oh, the the Terminator is sent back to. Sent back to Vietnam <laughs> to assassinate <laughs> John Father's John Connor's grandfather, who was uh, a rogue army colonel, <laughs> who may or may not have gone native. <laughs> I like that one. I actually would probably watch that movie. That's a sad thing. Don't, Hollywood, don't let that get out. Hollywood will be all over that. T100 gets in lots of hijinks along the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Colin. All right. Thanks, Rob, Bob, for the email. That was your yours are much better than ours. Oh, that for was sure. a, uh, this is a great email. Um, Godfather of the Bride is my favorite, one, by the way. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so if you have any emails, email the podcast. Midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. We will read them live on the air. Um, Give us a review on iTunes. We'll read that as well. We haven't got a review in a long time. We, we like reviews. They help us out a great deal. We're easy. Come come pay attention to us, and we'll return the favor. Yeah. MidnightFilmReview, gmail.com. Send us pictures of your cats. Yes. All right. We'll be right back with a couple media hot takes. Good job. And we're back. Media hot takes. Sponsored by the possum. She's back. The possum. She'll bite the shit out of you. That <laughs> she almost did earlier. Yeah. Yeah. This. I have a fierce possum, and it will attack. Uh. So, Colin, why don't I go first this time? Okay. And uh, you. I feel like you, I. You go first a lot. Let's save the best for last this time. Uh. So what I'm. So I've watched a bunch of stuff. <clears throat> oh, pardon me, mm, little horse. Um, I have you ever heard of Letterboxd? This app 
I'll show it to you afterwards if you haven't. I don't think so. So it's kind of like a movie lover's social media platform. Um, so it's basically people who love movies. There's a lot of critics on there. They'll write small reviews. You can give star ratings and they'll make lists. And um, So I go on there and look at lists and try to find movies that I've never heard of, mostly from, you know, before I was born or late 80s, early 90s kind of stuff to further back. Just because I'm always looking for something new. And... This weekend, I watched the movie No Way Out. Have you ever seen No Way Out or heard of No Way Out? It sounds familiar, but... So, it's 1987 action crime drama starring Kevin Costner, Gene Hackman, Sean Young, Will Patton, um, and the model Iman. Uh, Fred Thompson is always in it. The late Fred Thompson. Excuse me. This, um, This movie had like a 91 on Rotten Tomatoes. And I had never heard of it. So people were recommending it on Letterboxd. So I'm like, i got to check this out. Um, so what happens is Sean Young's character is a young woman who is trying to sex her way to the top in Washington, D.C. Um, Gene Hackman's character is the Secretary of Defense, and he is just hired... Naval officer Kevin Costner to head up a basically a investigation into Soviet sub building. He basically wants to kill a bill that would sponsor um, this one senator's company for building the sub. He thinks it's too big. Just basically a little bit of bureaucracy. Well, they end up both falling for the same woman, Sean Young. And she ends up dead. Things get crazy after that. This movie is nuts. Um, one, because it's 1987 and the technology is so weird. And people are using payphones and fax machines and the most ridiculous software and computers. Um, but holy crap, this film is fun. This movie... It's a little long. Like, it takes a little long to get there. The beginning is like, okay, I get the point. They both like this girl. They both, they're both they both boning her. I get it. Let's get to the meat of this. Um, when she died, I was so shocked. I was not expecting... I was like, what is this movie about? Like, what am I even watching right now? Yeah. And then she's dead, and you're like, oh, that's what this movie... Okay. I see where we're going here. Um, yeah. Will Patton's character, Scott Pritchard, plays like a... Uh, like an assistant to the Secretary of Defense. He is phenomenal in this movie. He is just one of the one of the best performances I've ever seen him give. I mean, so if you're not familiar with this guy, he's Coach Bill Yost and Remember the Titans. He's Chick in Armageddon. Um, just a character actor. Been around for a long time. But he's excellent in this movie. Gene Hackman is kind of a side note, which is kind of weird. Um, Kevin Costner gives a Kevin Costner performance. But the twist at the end of this movie, I literally stood up and said, What the hell? Did they just do that? I can't believe I've never heard of this twist in this movie. I can't believe I didn't see it coming. Especially the beginning of the movie. The way the movie starts out, I I don't know. It I was thoroughly shocked and surprised by this movie. Um 
like I said, it's a little long and tedious in the beginning. If you go, see, if you watch this, you can rent it on Amazon. Check it out. I recommend it. I highly recommend No Way Out. Kevin Costner, Gene Hackman, Sean Young, Scott Pritchard. Check it out. No Way Out. All right. Well, uh, I went and saw a small independent film. Um, probably haven't heard of it. Uh, it's called Moana by a company named Disney. Uh, just kidding. Yeah, Disney. I went. I finally saw. I finally Dis- saw Moana. Disney. Um, Disney. Uh, starring. Uh, I I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Al- Ali Ali E. Cravalo. Ali E. Ali E. Cravalo. Dwayne Johnson, Rachel House. Um. So. I, I'm not going to make this too long. Um, I guarantee like 90% of you have already seen this goddamn movie. Uh, this was a fun film. It had a lot of things going for it that make it more appealing to me than other Disney films. Um, or maybe older Disney films. That I think they've gone away from some of the awful things they used to do, hopefully. Uh Obviously, the musical numbers are very catchy. Um, they're incredibly well done. Uh, there is a great musical number featuring Jermaine Clement doing his best David Bowie imp- impression, which uh, I both my girlfriend and I thoroughly enjoyed. But the movie has a strong female character. Um, it. It does not feature a romantic interest for the character, which is, is very nice. It's just kind of a journey with her and the demigod she is sent to find to help her break a curse. Um, and it was, it was genuinely funny. Uh, there were some genuinely touching moments. Uh, and... I think they they did a good job with balancing the strength of her character and the strength of the demigod's character played by the rock. So, but it, I mean the the animation is unbelievable. The colors in the film are fantastic. Uh, you know there there is a there is a reason that these films make a lot of money they're just very competently put together but um, having never seen Frozen and with all the mm-hmm. criticism of Frozen I felt like this film kind of did the things it needed to do correctly to stand apart from that um, it's it's a solid film and it's enjoyable and uh, yeah I'm glad I finally got around to seeing it um, it was fun. So that's Disney's Moana. Awesome. I'm looking forward to. I think I'm going to be watching that this weekend, and I'm actually pretty excited about it. Um, the music I've heard from it, I've really enjoyed, and I'm I'm interested to hear this this song you speak of. Uh, didn't Lin Manuel Miranda do a lot of the music for this? He, I think he did some of the lyrics or something. He he didn't he didn't score the. He didn't write the music, okay. but he helped doing lyrics. something. Does he yeah. have a character in the movie? I don't think so. No? Okay. No. He was, I mean, he's just such a popular figure, I guess. Anytime he puts his name on anything, people are like, we need to get some of that Hamilton love over here. Yeah. 
Um, all right, that's going to do it for Media Hot Takes. We will be right back with a spoiler-free review of Saban's Power Rangers. Go, go, Power Rangers. And we're back with a review of Power Rangers. Yes. So, I don't really feel like it's necessary to tell people what this movie's about. If you know what the Power Rangers are, I don't feel like you're probably interested in this review. Um, so I'm going to just skip over that and say that um, this there are certain things that are circumvented uh, in the mythology of the Power Rangers. Is that fair to say? I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, there's I, just a li- some some things at the beginning that I I don't, I don't want to get into it too much because it's spoilers, but uh, I would say that the mythology has changed a little bit of my, yeah. from my understanding. I'm sure, not, I want to be clear. I'm not the biggest you know Power Rangers fan. I was around twelve or thirteen, so I was a little bit older than I probably should have been to be watching Power Rangers. But I loved waiting for my mom to take me to school. I'd get up half hour early, watch the Power Rangers every morning, and just let it watch over me. Um, so some of the later iterations, as you moved on to the nineties, I kind of fell away from. But what was your experience, Power Rangers? Are you a huge Power Rangers fan? Oh gosh, loved it. No. Um... So I actually, I remember, I think it was Fox. Fox, were they the first broadcasters? I I have no idea. Yeah, Fox. Um, so I remember seeing promo on Fox for the upcoming debut of, and the first, the first series run in America was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah. Um, and it debuted in, in August 93, so... I remember, God, I was only six at the time, um, making my, watching it and like making my dad watch it with me, <laughs> and he really enjoyed a lot of the the cartoons like X Men, TAS and the Batman TAS, mm-hmm. um, some of the and things like Animorphs or not Animorphs, Animaniacs at the time. I never Freakazoid, but. Just he, he enjoyed watching Saturday morning cartoons with me, and he did not get Power Rangers <laughs> at all. And there was a good reason for that, uh, because it was really Super Sentai with mm-hmm. footage, additional footage shot and cut to make it into this semi-coherent <laughs> way to sell toys to dumb kids. Yeah, pretty much. But I I just I think I I loved it, and I was. Just as obsessed with it as every other kid was. Um, and then I think I grew out of it after a couple years. I never watched anything past the original See. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I do remember the original uh, original Power Rangers, the movie. Um, I, don't, I don't remember that either. Which was interesting. Uh but it was it was fun because it was the obviously the there was a production value, value scaling, and they shot new footage. Right. Um, so it, fe- yeah, it felt yeah. it felt like more badass, you know. Right. Right. Um, when Actually, I was I eight when I was eight years old. Maybe I do remember that. It's been a long time. So this movie <clears throat> stars a, a bunch of 
actors that you're not going to know as the Power Rangers, this is pretty much the first thing that they've ever really done, uh, besides small bit parts here and there. But um, Elizabeth Banks plays Rita Repulsa, and uh, Brian Cranston plays Zordon. Bill Hader's the voice of Alpha 5. Um, so those are the big names that are attached to this cast. Yeah. Um, let me just... I'll start off the review. So... With no real attachment to the Power Rangers, obviously I know what they are. I watched them as a kid. Um, I thought that the trailer looked absolutely redonkulous. I thought this was going to be like like Transformers 3.0. But I had a lot of fun with this movie. I was, I was surprised by how much I found myself smiling. And we're going to go through, uh, probably in spoilers, a lot of stuff that may sound like we didn't like the film, at least from my point of view. But I did. I actually had a lot of fun with this this movie. The the performances are all over all over the place. Um, I actually thought that RJ Kyler, who plays Billy the the Blue Ranger, was probably my favorite performance in the movie outside of Elizabeth Banks. Um, you know, you're giving me a weird look. Wow, I I am like Totally not in agreement with you there. Really, but, yeah. I loved what he was doing w- with the uh, kind of autistic, yeah, uh, spectral character for the for the first scene his character was in until <laughs> they totally forgot about it and <laughs> dropped it for the rest of the film. <laughs> that uh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but I, no, I, I liked him. I th- oh, I think that, I think he's got talent. I think that kid is got talent. And not that these they, they all were fine. Like there's nothing that was like just so bad, but. Elizabeth Banks knows what movie she's in. She's hamming it up. She's just whatever. Whenever she's on screen, there's a magnetism to her her version of Rita. Um, I love the way that Brian Cranston has worked into this um, the series. Uh, the action beats are fine. There's a couple instances where I was just kind of like, uh, I've seen this before, or wasn't anything that was too inventive. Um, the finale, though, I, I actually, you know, I, I said to myself and I, like, my friend had seen this, uh, he, he, he was supposed to see this anyways, he was taking his son to see it, and um, I said, the, 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 these are surprisingly coherent um, action beats. Like, I thought it was going to be very similar to Transformers, like I said, where the action beats at the end of those movies are just so incoherent you don't know what's going on where's where's who going where in the middle of these big cities tearing buildings down this was not that way at all I, I was really surprised by some of, of, of that that aspects of the directions I think it played it safe in a lot of areas um movie's a little long in the tooth but uh overall I had fun yeah so this is not this is not a good film but it's also a film that doesn't take itself seriously and legitimately surprised me um, a, a couple of times. And I found, my, found myself uh, in, enjoying it, I, I think, because of that. Uh, it, the performances aren't great. The pacing is really weird. Uh, the, yeah. They spend a lot of time on de- kind of developing the... This, not I guess characters, um, <laughs> but and then and then kind of the 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 confrontation and climax kind of doesn't 
last very long. You, there aren't there aren't really many action beats in the film at no. all, honestly. Uh, Three, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, but, but there are like these weird moments of mad genius in this film where they kind of like stop making a kids movie for a second yeah. and yeah. then and then move the tone back or. Uh, um, yeah, the and the you know the humor. The humor is fun, and at the end of the day, it it just it just sort of works. It feels like a film that knows it's corny and doesn't try too hard, and can be successful because of that. Yeah. Um, it's. It's a little more crass than I thought it was going to be, but they also sort of touch on some issues that are going to be maybe relevant to teenagers uh, in a way that I, you know I wasn't really expecting them to, um, and you know the. I'm not going to say this is a better film than Life. Oh, I, but I will. I will say that it's. You know, maybe it is actually. I will say that it is. Yeah, this this film is coherent. It's more totally consistent, and it's just more fun to watch. So, I I just I don't. The problem is I don't really know who to recommend it to. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to take your like eight to yeah. twelve year old son and or daughter to see this film that's probably a good a good demographic but there are like the, the I don't think this is a spoiler the movie starts with a joke literally first scene a joke about jacking off a, a, a cow a bull <laughs> yeah that's what the movie opens with and then moves into a strange very strangely film but filmed but dramatic car accident yeah which was I thought uh, was, I thought that was done really well by the way it so in I feel like in concept it was but the like the way the scene is the physical logic of the scene okay. doesn't make any yeah. sense no I know what you're saying there you know but yeah. it but the effect the effect was good and the their intentions I don't know so <laughs> it's just I it's it's like I'm not really sure who this film was for. It's not quite for. It's not quite aimed at a nostalgia audience pool, um, but it's not aimed at the the young children that the original show was aimed at in a, in a lot of ways. I think maybe it is. I mean, maybe I'm just bad at reading demographics. So I don't think you are. I, I thought that same thing. Like so, like, there, there's blood a bunch of times. Yeah, there, I mean, the, this movie is pretty violent. Uh, I I mean it's PG thirteen. It's a PG thirteen movie, and I think that PG thirteen uh, they fully dive into the PG thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> like I feel yeah. like they took some of. Um, remember the James Vanderbeek, like R rated short. I, yes, I think they took some of that. The re- that was like people love that little short, and I think they wanted to take some of that goodwill and put it onto this film. 
And they did. I mean, this movie this movie is dark. It's it's like a mixture of if if the Power Rangers was Chronicle, um, and I've heard it compared to the Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's it's the, if the bre- <laughs> the Breakfast Club meets Chronicle. Yeah, there you go. Uh, is what I feel like this was. I didn't really see much. Um, relationship with or inspiration to the the little short independent dark Power Rangers film but uh, yeah I don't know it's so it's it's a weird movie I don't really know who to recommend it to but it's I we it sounds like we both enjoyed it for what it's worth it's not great but you know you could do worse um, if your kids want to see it then you know go take them I guess yeah, you know here's the thing about this movie too is I'm kind of looking at it, and I'm like, if this movie was released in January, I would have been, like, really happy. Or, or like, let me put it this way. In one of those spaces where we just didn't have anything else to see. Yeah. I would have been super satisfied with it. Um, You know, in hindsight, looking back, I guess we didn't really have... We had three movies that were opening this weekend, and we were like, well, you know, Life and and Chips, that looks kind of fun. We both, like, you know... uh, So, I mean... I think uh, we haven't seen Chips yet, obviously, but this seems to be the best of the three. I, I, I don't know. But, I don't know, you want to move on to spoilers? Yeah, I, I guess so. It's, uh, I don't really have much else to say. Yeah, I mean, it's a Power Rangers movie. Like, that. that's the thing that I took away, is like, this is, a, if you were like, we're making a Power Rangers movie, I mean, this is what I would want to see. I, I mean, like, I, I feel like they did a good job with it. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. We'll be right back with uh, spoilers for Power Rangers. What? Honey! Wow! Are you kidding me? You just ruin it every time! I'll see you at home. Wait a second. How would you not know that that was taking place? All right, Colin, we're back. Spoil this thing. Everyone dies. (laughs) Uh, You know, that actually was kind of a... Uh, this is gonna be tricky. I'm trying to give my possum water out of a thimble. The service tension. Oh, you spilled it everywhere. So, I, I really am like confused about uh, the. You were kind of giving me weird looks about like. I'm just saying, like the way that Rita Repulsa was. That's not her origins, right? I mean, like that whole scene. She no, so she they sort of changed it a little bit. She wasn't a ranger in the original show. But so here's my thing. Like who gives a shit how they wrote the original show? Like they didn't give a shit. It doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like they, I, there's like some fucking capsule that just has Rita Repulsa in it <laughs> and she gets released and starts causing problems, right? I mean I don't yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't, re- I have no idea. I don't remember how she was created in the the original. I guess my thing was, I thought that it was just way different. Whoa! I thought it was way different. It was my understanding. Um, oh, yeah, so uh, she's, she's released in space and then comes to conquer Earth and then Zordon sends Alpha 5 to Earth to recruit teenagers with attitude <laughs> to become superheroes. Now, I mean, that's basically the story. Like, yeah. There's not a whole lot of thought put into that. It's There's certainly no 
like legacy at least in the the original i'm sure they retconned the shit out of it and made it some right. huge complicated epic thing but i i don't know i thought it was i thought the approach of making her a fallen power ranger and giving zordon some sort of dilemma was interesting mm-hmm. to say the least um, no, I, I, I didn't have any problem with it. I didn't. No, I wasn't yeah. saying necessarily I had a problem with it. It okay. just was to me. It was just a. I, I actually like it, but I was just confused. Because, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting, is well, it's problematic in a couple ways. So, and maybe you have the same issue that I have. So, my favorite character, Billy the Blue Ranger, gets murdered. And they all carry him back to to, to to Zordon. Yeah. And he's like, Zordon's like, ain't nothing I can do. He's dead as a doorknob. And then, to make a long story short, you've seen the movie through at this point, he comes back to life. And the thing is, I saw him in the trailer. In the third act, parts of the third act is revealed. He's in, so that part was just like I'm like, where are they? What are they doing? Did you ever? I never felt like this character was in danger. No, I didn't either. But I mean, like, it's, so what is the whole point of that part of the it's, movie? It's it's about it's about Zordon. It's not about Billy. It's just it's not great writing. Yeah, it's, yeah. Zordon makes the choice to put his faith, faith. in Jason, and he sacrifices <clears throat> his chance of life, a physical life, to save Billy. But then, you know, you also have the beginning of the film where, like, they're just magically being saved from death. Yeah. Uh, which, that scene surprised the shit out I, of me. Yeah. It <laughs> was one of the few times I was like, what? Did <laughs> they get fucking hit by a train? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> totally, totally caught off guard by that scene. Yeah. Um, or, or, like, the scene where Zordon, like, mind fucks them. Oh, is yeah. legitimately starts out kind of creepily shot yeah. and fairly well done. Yeah, I thought that was probably one of the the one of the best shots of, the, of the, or one of the best scenes of the movie. Actually, it was because it. I didn't expect that kind. Of, I mean, that's not the level of intensity or uh, filmmaking I expected from this movie. Yeah, and you know, I think the end. I think the um, the ending battle scene was more of what I expected. Uh, it, it, these little moments um, in the middle were the ones that were really surprising to me, I guess. Um, I See, I, I don't know. I'm a sucker for teen angst. Yeah. And so, like, it, all of the detention stuff, all that, like... Not really character building because it, it is, but it isn't because yeah. they're not real characters. They're archetypes of characters. But like, I I don't know why, but I really like that stuff, and I just wish it would have focused a little bit more on them as characters. Yeah, it's 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 fucking weird because they spend so much time with it, and it doesn't feel like it culminates no. in, in a real come to Jesus moment for the team or yeah. Them real nobody really sacrifices something for anyone else, and it just it just sort of feels weird. But then like 
how seriously can I really take the movie? <laughs> All of the scenes with Elizabeth Banks are so, <laughs> yeah, so ridiculous. so over the top. And feel like they are part of some other film. Like mm-hmm. when she fucking ganks the the homeless guy. Um, you're, I'm like, are they really killing this dude? Like, there's, there's some death in this movie, and you're just yeah. like... And the way it's shot just feels like we jumped into a different genre yeah. for a minute. I agree. Uh, yeah, this... <laughs> Into like horror comedy or something. Yeah. I, um, it's that was that was the worst scene where I kept thinking to myself like my friend is taking a seven year old to see this movie. I mean, the scene with her and the jeweler. Uh, oh God! I mean, there. Yeah, yeah. Is is very very is funny and weird. Uh, just ripping people's teeth out, yeah. like just collecting gold, like doing her thing. I I just yeah. I kind of I really loved her performance. I've seen people say, oh, it's, it's too over the top. It's too, I, I think it was perfect for this movie. Um, I kind of wish that, I mean, I kind of wish that it was a little more hammy in other parts, honestly, but, I mean, I, it's a Power Rangers movie. I don't know what people were expecting. I don't know. The, the one, I guess it's, my one of my biggest problems is the film just doesn't really find any balance. It doesn't end up doing anything especially well. Yeah. Um, right. So. And a lot of the <laughs> the rah rawness of the team it just doesn't feel organic yeah Jason never feels like a leader <laughs> no uh, he's never given any responsibility either really I, I did I did like the the I so I enjoyed actually um, Zach I enjoyed Zach's performance when he wasn't being over the top that part this the scenes with his mother actually were one of the few authentic feeling I, oh, parts of yeah, the film. I agree with that, yeah. Um so I, I kind of enjoyed that, but but the, the twist that Kimberly is actually just a shitty person. <laughs> I thought that was really, really interesting. Uh that they kind of were willing to take take that, that was, on. Yeah, that um, was I I agree with you. I, here's the thing. Well, back to um the Zach thing. <laughs> Is I think that that was the most relatable character, like at least for me, and that's why I think I, I'm I'm guessing for you too. Like, I don't know. I just that, that situation. I don't know. Like, I, I obviously I I have a hard time relating to Kimberly, like in uh, the what's the Yellow Ranger's name? Trini. Trini. Um, and then uh, Billy, I had a good time with. Um, my problem with that is, like, I, I can't decide whether I should just be happy that we're seeing film portrayals of people with ASD or mm. annoyed that the portrayal is starts off over the top and superficial at best and then just forgets about his autism. Like, like his, his autism is cured through the power of friendship, yeah. which yeah. is just such a... Not a not the right way to go about it, um, right? And especially because I well, this is we're digressing a little bit, but like antisocial disorder and uh, being being antisocial and autism are hand in hand. I mean, it's hard for for you know people on the spectrum to relate to other people. That's part of the disorder, and you know I don't know. I agree with what you're saying. I just I feel I I don't know. I feel like that character was just. The problem is he 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 ends up being comic relief, and it's just uh, more right. than the shitty writing can yeah. 
Maybe you're right. I, 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 maybe you're right. I, um, the scene where he slaps uh, dude bullying. What's her name? Um, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, was it him? In, in, the, in the very beginning of the movie, well, it's like in the, they're in detention, and the one dude is. Is, it, is he bullying Tinny? Is that her name? Jace, Jason slaps the bully. The bully's bullying Billy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. yeah, he just walks over and just like slaps yeah, him. Yeah, it, like, it was a great scene. I don't know why I thought Billy slapped him. No. Um, that, that, that is a great scene in the movie, though. You're like, just well, slap and, the and, dude. And the, di- the dialogue, it's, it's one of those moments where I feel like I'm watching a film that. So the first of all, that the the guy looks like a young. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob Lowe. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And, and but then yeah, and he's so charismatic, and he slaps the guy, and he's like, "Did you just slap me?" And he's like, "Weird, right?" <laughs> <laughs> it's to- totally in on what's happening, and it's great, yeah. and it's super yeah. enjoyable, and they, yeah. So at moment moments like that are little surprises are are what kept me in the film. Um, Bill Hader was hilarious. Yes. Uh, it's always hilarious. Um, what did, what did you think of of the final battle? Just it was just kind of boring. Yeah. Um, I just that that was my least favorite part of the film. Yeah. Same. Uh, because you know it's gonna it's just marching towards an inevitable conclusion. Yeah. By that point. And that's kind of what I mean by like that's what I expected from the Power Rangers film. The the, the stuff in between really. Um, uh, I, th- I and honestly, here's the thing: is like I thought the movie started strong, and got weaker as it moved further and further towards the end. Um, there were a few high moments um, here and there, but yeah, I I, I think in general I I would probably agree with you on that. Um, the the less you know about the characters and what's happening, the more interesting the film is, and the more easy yeah that. Easily, it surprises you um, with its weird, <laughs> weird uh, off-color <laughs> moments. Yeah, right. Uh, one last thing, and then if you have anything else, we can, we can wrap it up. But what do you think about the the stinger and green helmets? Didn't stay to watch it. Had to pee too bad. So do they do a Jason reveal or something like that? Or um, basically, I mean, it's not Jason. Uh, Tommy. Tommy, yeah. Ba- basically, um, so basically, yeah, they just revealed that the next movie is going to have the Green Ranger, which could be interesting if they make an actual character out of it. Um, I kind of read up on that whole time storyline afterwards, and it sounds like it could be uh, interesting for a sequel. I guess he's everybody's favorite, which I didn't know. Yeah, he, he was always the, the favorite character. Um, yeah. Because well, he, he actually, unlike all the, the other Power Rangers, he's not caught in this archetype. He starts as... So, do you know the, the, the arc, the Green Ranger arc? Yeah, I actually read it. Um, yeah, he starts as an infiltrator under Rita's control, right. almost kills the Power Rangers, is defeated... Freed from his spell and then joins them. And, and has to redeem himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which yeah. I think is a great arc. That's a great storyline. Yeah. They, can, they can do it. Uh, anything else you want to touch on? No. I. 
like I enjoyed I enjoyed the fight scene with Rita at the docks, and it was like the only choreography in the whole film. Oh man, feisty possum! <laughs> no, it really was the. You're right. It was like the only choreography in, in the entire film. Yeah, like everything else was just just fighting the putty the putties, which are weird. Rock demons, which I I hated their design. I'll be yeah. honest with you. It was I, it was bad. It was bad and bland and boring and did not mean much. No, no, it didn't. And in the long run, I think that any I, so in the in the future movies, are they going to bring those guys back? You think? Like I, I don't. I don't. I mean, you I need some know. kind of foot soldier. I feel like yeah. to make it interesting. Well, but also in the film or in the the show, like Goldar was like a, one of Rita's lieutenants. Right. Yeah, I can't even do his voice, <laughs> but giant lion face, gold muppet <laughs> man with wings and a sword. You know. Yeah. Don't like that, Goldar. You know. You know the one. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I I feel like if if the they kept the same tone and just tightened up the writing and figured out the just committed to a direction better than the you could with with a, the same director and the same cast you could do a sequel and have it be better so hopefully that's what we get I agree um, all right so next week Colin Ghost in the Shell it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wanna. This is this is the uh, the moment that this this podcast either disintegrates and goes away or we get over this faithful event. I mean, I know what it's gonna be. It's going to be this weird, ironic, hollow, <laughs> empty facsimile of the source material it's mm-hmm. copying I it's just I, I know that's what it's gonna I mean look, I'm trying I'm trying not I'll try and be open-minded I'll do my best but I'm only I'm only a man see, I want you all to remember that <laughs> just a man see I kind of wish um, I wouldn't have watched the the anime I you you gave me homework and I went and did it but I'm like wouldn't it be an interesting test to see how I felt about the live action without seeing the anime. I'll do my best. Maybe, you know, honestly, there is a chance that maybe it'll just be kind of. Maybe it won't make me angry. Maybe it'll just be kind of forgettable. Yeah. Finger, well, fingers crossed. Well, I guess my expectations are that it's going to be passable, like as far as a film is concerned. As a movie, from all the reviews, it seems to be, it's just like getting middling reviews, like. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's going to be great. But sometimes that's worse than being just bad. So we'll see, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, just what? why do this in the first place? Like, what's. Because it's freaking Sony, man. It's what Sony does. So it has a. I think it has a. Let's see if it has a consensus. But it's at a 65 on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Um. Yeah, well, life was at a sixty-five too. So I don't. Yeah, it's got a consensus. Um, not that many reviews in yet, honestly. Only uh, only twenty-six reviews. 
critical reviews. Oh, that's not even probably a, so, probably a quarter of what they're of what it's going yeah. to be. Yeah, but uh, what's look like on Metacritic? Honestly, the the Metacritic. Well, so the review embargo just ended today. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure there are only nine reviews on Metacritic, uh, but it's at a 62. Um, I don't imagine that will go higher. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Yeah, so we'll have to see. Colin, let's just get over this hump and move past Ghost in the Shell, and then it's smooth sailing from there. We will never have another horrible remake ever again. I know you're lying to me. I know you're just playing to me. Uh, the The real thing is... The real thing. The real question is... What are we going to see the week after that? Is, is that the real question? I feel like that's a real question. Um, the next couple weeks after that are yeah, slim pickings. This this whole month is going to be. I mean, I thought we were seeing. Uh, I thought we were seeing the case for Christ. Oh uh, well, we were, but um, I think I think what ha- I think that's not getting released in the U.S. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, D- by gosh, we're gonna we're gonna go find it. Um, maybe colossal. I don't know. That's weeks away. Let's end this episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, email us midnightfilmreview at gmail dot com. Uh, if you want to follow, go to midnightfilmreview dot com. I think I'm going to start writing uh, again. I haven't written a review in a long time, but Ghost in the Shell is a great opportunity to capitalize on. Colin's pain. So um, <laughs> that that is a true sign off if I've ever heard one. All right, we'll catch you on the flip side. Okay, bye.